This is Cycling Life, the Bigfoot Cycle Club podcast. And today we're leaving Kent and London behind to go to Mallorca and one of the toughest rides in the sportive calendar. One of my low points was the last two climbs were uh, the temperature had risen a bit. I really, for the first time, felt energy draining. You'll hear survival tips for any all-day ride. We had one set of lights between five riders, and as a result, progress home was quite slow. And get a flavour of cycling in the island, where so many club members are again going this year to ride their bikes. It is just a cycle-friendly island. There's no doubt about it. Hello, I'm Andy Ivey, and in a moment I'll be handing over to Miles Davidson and Harry Owen, who've recorded a superb audio diary. They took on the Mallorca 312, this year run on closed roads around the north and west of the island, with stunning coastal scenery and the climb of the Puigmayor mountain, which tops out at 850 metres. Now, in its eighth year, it's an epic ride taking its name from the original 312-kilometre or near 200-mile circuit of the island and tackled by previous Bigfoot pioneers. Luckily, there are shorter routes on offer for mortals like me. I've included a few sounds from a video by a Spanish rider. He posted it on YouTube and it's really worth a watch for the climbs and thrilling descents and the atmosphere, including a noisy beer stop towards the end. You'll find a link to it in the details on the page for episode 9 of this podcast on bigfootcc.co.uk forward slash podcast. So as 7,000 people prepare for the big day, it's over to Bigfoot's Miles Davidson. So it's 9 o'clock, Friday the 28th of April, and it's the eve of the Mallorca 312. And it's the next H&M cycling adventure. Um, Andy Ivey kindly asked if uh, Harry and I would be as good as to do a podcast as uh, we've written. We've done a few blog posts last year. So as a quick reminder, Harry and Miles, both Bigfoot members, both joined in the last three to five years and both started probably around the group fives. And I think it was around about 18 months ago when Harry said to me, hey, Miles, how do you fancy doing a ride overseas? Well, Cut to 2016, and uh, around this time last year, we went off and did a, a Liège, Baston Liège. And after that, we did Alpen Brevet, a fantastic ride in Switzerland. So 2017 comes around, of course. What does Harry say? Hey, Miles, how are we going to top last year? So uh, part of topping last year was to do a ride that is uh, even further than anything either of us has done before. So the Mallorca 312, it's, the clue is in the name. It's 312 kilometres, which equates in real uh, money to 194 miles. And if that's not daunting enough, the realisation is that there is some 16,500 feet of climbing to be accomplished, and the majority of that is probably in the first... Half to two thirds of the race um, or ride, uh, and then you have to hang on for dear life from what we can work out and hope you get back while there's still daylight. So, we arrived today, this morning, up and out early British Airways flight, uh, very straightforward actually, London City Airport, straight into Palmer. Uh, about a one hour transfer, we found a, we're just very lucky, found a particularly good hotel, very close to the start of the event. We've registered. And uh, in fact, whilst I'm uh, wittering on, I can see that Harry is uh, currently preparing uh, his feast for uh, tomorrow's ride. Harry, what is it you're um, carrying tomorrow for the ride? Well, um, I'm carrying uh, one cheese and pig and onion sandwich in quarters. 
<laughs> plus uh, multiple naked bars, jelly babies, and the odd gel. Fantastic. And uh, uh, if anyone's had the luck of and, and the pleasure of riding with Harry, there are two things, uh, or three things about Harry. One, he is the most fastidious prepared person you will ever ride with. Uh, uh, two, when it comes to, and this definitely includes the the, the, the food strategy, but believe me, I've learned a lot from Harry and eating uh, a food strategy, I would say, is critical for a long endurance uh, ride. And the third thing I have to say is the uh, is the what to wear. So actually, just just quickly, Harry, if you don't mind, if I just ask a quick question. Firstly, have you decided now? Uh, by the way, after about a day of deliberation, having been here and acclimatised for about ten hours, uh, why don't you just say what, what you intend to wear in the morning and potentially what the options are you've already discounted or maybe not even yet discounted? Well, I mean, I, obviously we've only got a few minutes, so I, I probably couldn't go into too much detail, like this, given the nature of the question. But uh, I think um, we're expecting a cold morning by uh, Mallorcan standards, followed by a medium warm day with a cold breeze. So that's a bit of a, a bit of a blended situation. <laughs> so I think it looks like uh, the Bigfoot gilet uh, with the um, Perfetto light underneath and, uh, and a base layer. Um, so fingers crossed that will cover all the options. <laughs> right, well, I think you just heard a ding-dong ding. It's, it's now literally five past nine, and uh, apart from the last-minute final, final, final preparations, it will soon be lights out. Hopefully we get a good night's sleep as it's up and at it tomorrow around about 5 a.m., just to make sure that we can eat well, prepare well, we hope, get on the start line about quarter past to half past six, and um, uh, with any luck, we should be underway at 7am. With a 9pm cutoff, we have 14 hours of daylight to complete the ride. And um, when we have our strength back, we'll give you an update and let's, uh, let's see how we get on. So from Harry and Miles, it's good night in Mallorca. Say good night, Harry. Good night. It's, it is the day. The day has arrived. It's the 29th. I'm here with Harry. We are, where are we, Harry? We're in the uh, we're starting in the start. grid. Yeah, we're in the starting grid. Just uh, sun just coming out. Uh, a bit chilly. But uh, looking forward to a good good day ahead. Yeah, it's not even quarter to seven. Uh, th- th- I think one of the best things about doing such a stupid thing is there are thousands of other people to validate your uh, your stupidity. Uh, everyone's here, there's a lot of chatter going on. You can hear in the background the music started. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to just getting underway now. And uh, all I've got to say is uh, good luck to Harry. And good luck to Miles. Estamos kilómetro 197, 25 para pasar por meta y decidir qué hacemos. Los 225 o continuar tres horas y media más para hacer 312. Well, it's actually the day after, the late afternoon, the day after the event. Uh, it's Miles and Harry, and we had hoped to give you a, a media after the race report. But uh, we came, well, in fact, a story of uh, two halves, I think, and two races. We both completed the event, I think it's very safe to say. 
Um, uh, and Harry, you came in just well. You came in through the darkness. Yeah. Um, if I perhaps give a quick uh, viewpoint on on uh, on your race from your point of view. No, it was um, it was uh, started off well. Unfortunately, uh, a couple of punctures knocked me off plan, and uh, that pretty much meant I knew I was not, I was not going to make the time. Unfortunately, uh, so I came in closer to ten, about an hour overdue. Um, uh, but got round, which is good. It's a phenomenal effort. So for people listening, there is a 14-hour uh, cut-off point to get official recognition. Harry came in just over the 15 hours, which is agonising for two reasons. One, it's just over the 14 hours. And secondly, you're in the saddle for 15 hours, which is, uh, which is uh, uh, great to your tenacity. But my question is, do you feel that you have some now some unfinished business with the 312? I need to think about that, but it's not impossible. <laughs> I sense a, uh, a rerun, maybe, uh, in, the, in the future. And from my point of view, I, I, I try not to set too much of a hard target. Um, I think things that were really important, Harry and I talked about the feed stations. Um, I think there was officially five, am I right, five or six yep. stops that you could stop across it. And we both discussed this earlier, and I think uh, down to Harry's planning, really looked at trying to break that down into no more than four possibly three stops and Harry what's your observation around planning stops I think you need to it's too easy to get sucked into stopping at every stop and uh, you know we all know how easy it is when people get ahead of you if you lose three or four minutes on a collective food stops which you don't need to really 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 eats into your time yeah. so um, I just think you know manage your food stations really carefully and quickly and only spend as much time as you really need in there. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. One of the tips that you gave me was, you know, check your watch or start a stopwatch when you go in. And, and I, I would say the further on the ride, especially an, an endurance ride, the more tired you get. So you need some very simple measures, I would say, things, yeah. things, to, rem- measures, things to remember. So I was a bit, I broke it down. There was two stops where I was going to allow myself 15 minutes and probably two stops where it was more, I wanted it to be sub 10 minutes. Um, and in fact, I, I have to say kudos for the, uh, that advice because I know my stops across, um, I came in about 12 hours and stopped in total 44 minutes. And I was grateful for the two 15 minute stops. That was really a nice opportunity to refuel, stretch as well. Um, I, I think that's really, that was things that were really important to me. But it, you're absolutely right. It's so easy for time to get away from you. And it's like every minute off the bike is a minute you would have been further on and all those kind of things. And the cumulative effect of stopping can, can, can really eke away the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what uh, other takeaways or observations have you got from the event in terms of the organisation maybe and the, the, the general spirit of the event? Yeah, I thought it was uh, really nicely organised. Um, uh, everything you've seen, uh, the food stations were managed, the, the people were very friendly. The closed road riding was a little um, little uh, Mediterranean in style. Um, and I think they could probably do with a bit of work, just being clear about what point roads stop being closed roads or not. Mm. But overall, I'd probably give the event 8.5 out of 10 for organisation and, and uh, well, just 8.5 out of 10. It's a, the scenery is quite impressive, particularly in the morning, and uh, it's, it's a challenging and there's a lovely atmosphere around it. I completely echo that. And you're right, I, think, I, I hadn't appreciated that. I don't think, I, I, for me, one of the true joys of a closed road event was mountain descents. 
Um, I mean, the mountains here, they may not be the Alps, but, but, but do not, if you come over here, do not underestimate. Um, I think, put it in perspective, we counted up, didn't we? So most of the climbing is in, and in fact, on Strava, you put, it's an event of two halves. Um, so perhaps just, just to explain that, because I think you, I'll let you explain that. What, what, why did you call, why do you, would you call it the event of two halves? Well, I think actually it's clear that there are categorised climbs and you've got about 4,000 metres plus of categorised climbs in the first half, which finishes about 94 miles. After that, it's the dreaded undulating. Uh, yeah. But even within some of that undulating, you've got a couple of sneaky tens. Yeah. They may not be long, but they're in there. And, um, and there, isn't, there is very little flat, mm. uh, to be honest. It's either up or it's down. So it's very much, it is two events, but psychologically, uh, I think I was warned and I didn't really take it on board is that the second half is, is uh, in its own way as challenging as the first half. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, um, and perhaps we should just talk about, uh, on any long event, if anyone's done this, you've got to expect a few low points, um, a few psychological challenges. Um, and yeah, just to put that, repeat what Harry said, within the first 94 miles, of which the first 20 miles is flat, so there is a there is a 74-mile segment where you will do, uh, if I got the numbers right, 11 category climbs for 4,000 metres, um, which is just, uh, it's beautiful and leg-sapping. It's a dangerous um, combination. And I think my one of my low points was the last two climbs were, uh, were, were uh, the temperature had risen a bit, I really, for the first time, felt energy draining, and the realization, as I was still on the penultimate climb, was, "Wow, there's one more climb, and then there's a ride London." Um, I, I found that a real challenge, and, and I think that stayed with me for about 20 miles more, and until we start, I started making a bit more progress and got a decent fuel stop. But um, uh, what, what about yourself? Where, where, what were the low point challenges? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a, uh, a Garmin problem uh, about three quarters of the way around and I lost the route, which in itself wouldn't be too worrying, but uh, it was getting late and dark. It, I have to say the route was still properly uh, signposted on. Um, and I think that was probably my, uh, uh, my, my flatter moment. I'd lost contact with a few people. The, uh, the puncture had meant that I'd lost the guys I was riding with. Uh, the, the larger group had gone on ahead, not surprisingly and I got a bit isolated, but fortunately um, there were about 20 or 30 of us that grouped up towards the end um, actually narrowed down to about 4 or 5 because we ended up, oh sorry, the other strong recommendation if you think you are going to be at the tail end of an event uh, strongly suggest lights front and back we had one, one set of lights between five riders and as a result progress home was quite slow yeah. um, but all in all, I think it's been a hugely successful event for both of us. Yeah. Um, Harry has to decide if there is unfinished business. Um, I too am not sure if I'm putting this on the list of never again, because there's a lot to draw you back. I thought um, the player de Muro, where it, I think the situation of where the event is run, the immediate amenities, hotels, hotels, our hotel was incredibly cycle friendly, couldn't do enough for us, happy for us to build our bikes in a room just for the lobby, um, uh, staff were incredibly helpful, it's an, it, is, it is just a cycle friendly island, um, there's no doubt about it, so I, I think all in all I think that sounds great and it's an eight and a half for Harry and Miles, a wonderful adventure. Um, and we hope this inspires uh, a few other people to try and uh, follow in our tyre treads. 
a great audio diary from Miles and Harry. Next up for them, they're planning to become Bigfoot's latest members of the Sangle de Ventoux, which involves riding up the iconic mountain in Provence three times in one day. Then they're among the group doing the Velathon Wales before taking Dave Tibbles and Pete Roseblade over four mountains on the Alpen Brevet. Hill repeats on Star Hill for you lot. There are photos and previous reports on bigfootcc.co.uk forward slash podcast. Look for episode 9 where you'll also find details about the Mallorca 312 if you're tempted to have a go next year. Well I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Cycling Life. There'll be more this summer. I'm Andy Ivey and I'll see you at the cafe. (laughs) 